Whenever you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life, that is when you will see change. What does it mean to be a Christian? I do want to warn you as I get into my message that it may be a little heavy. So I just pray that you open up your heart today and you just allow whatever you're feeling and you actually act on it, whatever God is placing on your heart, that you actually begin to fix it. So the title of my message today is What Does It Mean to Be a Christian? So whenever you go to people, what does it mean whenever you tell them that you yourself are a Christian? A lot of Christians base their theology, their beliefs on what it means to be a Christian off of other Christians, off of their pastor. But I want to ask you today, what do you consider being a Christian? I looked at the stats because I wanted to see what the average Christian does in a day. So I looked up how many or what percentage of Christians actually read their Bible every single day. You know what the results were? 11% of people who call themselves Christian read their Bible every single day. That's about, if let's say it's maybe 70 people in here, 80 people in here. Nine or 10 people in here actually read their Bible every single day. And that is a requirement that we should be doing as we are Christian. It reads in Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You see, guys, it is a constant battle between your spirit and your flesh. Your spirit knows the right thing to do because God said he has written his commandments on our hearts. You know the right thing to do. But your flesh, on the other hand, wants to do what feels good. And so it's a constant battle between the two. And now let me ask you this. How in the world are you going to be able to win this battle between your flesh and your spirit if your spirit doesn't even know where it should be going? If your spirit doesn't even know where it should be called to from God and you're fighting a battle without a weapon. You see, in the armor of God, you have the different things like the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace. You have all these things that are there to protect you. But God gave us one thing, one thing as a sword that is against all of our evil desires, all of the evil temptation that may come upon us. It is his word. That was the only weapon that God gave us. And I know some of you are like, God, I can't do it. Like, I don't know how anyone is able to stop sinning. I don't know how anyone is able to give up their fleshly lifestyle. You're right. You can't do it on your own. You are not supposed to do it on your own. You are only supposed to use the sword that God gave you. If you're trying to use your flesh to fight against flesh, you will always lose. That is why it reads in Ephesians 6 verse 12, 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So your own willpower, whenever you try to stop sinning, is not going to help you. You have to depend on the truth. You have to depend on the only sword that you have in this battle. So this means that even as we are living our lives, whenever we're considering ourselves Christian, you cannot look at other Christians and say, well, they're doing this, so that means I can do it. Oh, well, I'm better than them, so I'm going to get into heaven. You're basing it on your works. You're basing it on, oh, I come to church. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I tithe. I'm good. But once again, Jesus said your works will not get you into heaven. None of that gets you God's grace. His grace is free to us. I want to make that clear. That it was only through Jesus that we are even able to have grace because he was the sinless, perfect sacrifice for every single sin that we've committed today and what we're going to commit in the future. And when I tell you this, when you stand on the day of judgment before God, let me tell you this, it's just going to be you. No one else, your parents, your pastor, your sister, your brother will not be standing up there with you to defend you. God is going to be using his own standard and he's going to look at your life and see, have you done what I have called you to do as a Christian? And you're going to have to give an account for everything. Remember that as you're going throughout this life. In Matthew 22, verse 35 and 40, it says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And you know, the other commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. The second and just as equally as important. But I want to focus on this, this first one right here, because I feel like a lot of you don't take it seriously. Whenever God says to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you begin to love the things that he loves and hate what he hates. When I tell you that God hates sin, do you know how much God hates sin? That whenever the devil sinned and the angel sinned one time, he created an entire hell for them to burn. That is how much God hates sin. So that means that if we call ourselves children of God, if we call ourselves follower of Jesus, we are supposed to hate sin just like God does. And the thing is, the reason God hates sin, let me tell you this, is because sin only harms. It does not do any benefit to us. It may look like it does, but it only harms us. And he loves us so much that he does not want anything to harm us. We are his children. Let me ask you this. If you're a parent out there, or even if you're just a regular person without any kids, if you have a brother or a sister and they're playing with fire and they don't know better, Are you going to continuously let them play with fire or are you going to try to stop them? The loving thing to do is say, hey, that's hot. Don't play with that. Don't go over there. Don't even step near it because the closer you step near it, the hotter it gets. And that is what God does with his children. He loves us so much that he tries to warn us before we get into that fire. That fire is getting us closer to hell because he said the broad path is to hell. But the narrow path leads to everlasting life with him. And he's trying to stop us before we get on that broad path. And so I want to talk about today, Christians and sin. I told you I was going to be heavy, so I want y'all to buckle up. Buckle up, y'all. Now, I know everyone in here, even including myself, everyone in this building 
has sinned. If you haven't sinned, I want to show you where it says you actually have. And I'm first John one verse eight. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So the thing is that we have in common with the rest of the world. The rest of the world is living in sin and we have been tempted with sin and have sinned. But let me tell you the difference between if you're going to consider yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are going to do this. And what it says in verse nine, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So you as a Christian, you are now recognizing sin every single time you commit it. You are not just letting it linger on and think, oh, God doesn't see me when he sees everything. You are not letting it linger on and think, oh, nothing is wrong. You have had this mindset in the past. We've all had this mindset in the past that everyone does it, that everyone sins. So it's okay for me to do it. Like I said, you cannot compare your life to other Christians. And the thing is, is that you have to realize that it is a problem that you need to fix with God. And now that you have actually accepted Jesus, accepted that free gift, that sacrifice, you are now to turn from sin and repent. You must repent. Repentance is you going to God and saying, God, I am sorry. I am in the wrong. I have sinned and I know that this is wrong and I need your grace and your forgiveness. You plead with God. Every single king that we have seen in the Bible who have actually walked with God, even though they've made mistakes, because we're all going to make mistakes. Let's make that clear. When they made a mistake, they dropped down on their knees and began to mourn. And they put ashes on their head and weeped around asking for forgiveness because they knew how much it hurt God. That is when you know that you love God, when you actually understand how it affects God. You start to think about that. And so that is what we should be doing as Christians. So now let's talk about some sins that will not, I repeat, according to Paul, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here it says in Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, distinction, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, everyone in here, including myself, has at least done one thing on this list. And you can't lie and say, oh, I haven't, because we saw in First John, everyone in here, that if you say that you haven't committed any sin, you are lying or you're calling God a liar. But God is not a liar. So we've all committed one thing on that list. But like I said, the difference between you and the rest of the world, because the rest of the world, they're going to keep committing those sins. And that is how God separates us his people from the rest of the world. We are to go to God with a repentant heart, showing God we truly care about him. We truly care about what he thinks about us, not what the world is going to think. And I want to remind y'all, we truly do not, do not deserve God's forgiveness. I know a lot of y'all out here, if people came up to you and started bashing your name, started killing your family, started doing all these things against you. I can bet you none of you would give up your child for them. I can bet you none of you. Not even you see the president, they wouldn't do that for their people. But God did. And the crazy thing is, you see with all these other religions, 
People are constantly trying to base it on their works. Let me pray all these times in a day. Let me read my word all these times in a day. Let me fast and do all this stuff. None of that will give you the grace of God. None of that. We have earned it for free. God said, let me come down and reach and grab you and bring you up. All the other religions are trying to work and do all this stuff to get to God. But we will never, never be good enough on our own. It doesn't matter what you do. If you haven't accepted the free gift of Jesus, none of that stuff will matter. And this right here, whenever you truly do give your heart to God, I want to be clear. You will see changes in your life. It won't just be, oh, I've said this prayer. Oh, I've said this and that. No, but you will actually see changes. And if you're not seeing changes in your life, that is a sign. You have not fully given God all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. That is a high sign. And this is the time right now. I'm doing a call to repentance right now because you don't know how much time we have on this earth. Y'all don't realize that today is the only day that is promised. And like I said, you will have to give an account for every single thing you have done in your life when you see God. God is going to look at this moment in a second. He's going to say, I gave you an opportunity to just ask for forgiveness. And I was willing and ready to forgive you of everything that you've done wrong just because I love you that much. And if you rejected it, then you rejected me. But this is the beautiful thing right here. It reads in Luke 19 verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to save people who already think that they're good enough. We're all not good enough. None of us in here are good enough. He came to save us. He came to allow us to reach up to God and free us from our sinful natures that bring us to destruction. And we see that God loves us this much. I want to point this out really quickly so that you understand. I know I just talked a lot about all these things that could happen, but he truly does love us. It reads in Hebrews 4 verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That shows us it is possible to turn from sin. That shows us that even though we are tempted, we're going to be tempted. That's not going to go away. Jesus was tempted a lot. We are going to be tempted. But the difference is, is that when you are tempted, you turn and run from sin not you run to it. That is a complete difference of when you actually call yourself a Christian. Our God, he understands, or at least the God that I serve, understands how hard it is. It's not easy moving from sin. I'm not saying it's going to be a snap of a finger and you're going to be done with sin. I'm saying it's a process that you have to keep on keeping your eyes on God. And we can see The power of Jesus, how it even worked out in Philippians 2 verse 7, it says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. God, like I said, God didn't just sit on his throne and make us try to work to gain his forgiveness. He reached his hand down to us. And he said, I'm willing to forgive you. I'm going to give you all these things. He's given us so many things because he knows how hard it is. And Joseph talked on one of them. He talked about each other. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. The church, this body of believers, the building is not the church. I want to be clear, but it's the people. We are the temple of God. God lives within us, not this building. The church is who you should be depending on to hold you accountable. The church, whenever you fall, don't go through it alone. Please don't. Whenever you fall into sin, find someone. You need to talk to someone because when you talk to someone, then they can help redirect you. The second one is his word, his word. When we leave this church, 
We're only in this church for an hour at most a week. Some people come twice a week, but that's not everybody. We're only in here an hour, two hours at most. But you have the rest of your day, or even on Sunday, you have all the rest of the days. So how are you going to be redirected constantly if you're not even here in this church, if you're not opening up your word? The word shows us how we need to live majority of our lives because we're not in this church all the time. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what actually changes your desires. It actually shows you how God sees the world and not how the world sees how it's moving. It begins to place a new desire within you. Whenever you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life, that is when you will see change. Like I said, if you are not reading your word, if you haven't seen a change in your life, that's a good sign that the Holy Spirit is not there. And how you access the Holy Spirit is through prayer and reading the Bible. I know a lot of people say, well, I don't understand how people hear God. I don't understand how people say they've heard God from this and that. Not the only way, but the way you can always hear God 100% of the time is through his word. If you never open up the word, you can never say, oh, I never hear God's voice. Because he's waiting to give you a message. It may not be through the voice, like Joseph said, like the thunder. Because he understands that that scares people. And his word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Y'all have to realize people in the Bible, they went through the same things we went through. Even worse. They did worse things that we have done. And yet God showed them how to live their life out through all of it so that we can know how to live our life. And so if you're still living in unrepentant sin, this is the opportunity. If you call yourself a Christian, I don't know if you believe in Jesus, but if there's anyone in here who's not for sure if they believe in Jesus, I want to let you know today why you should. And if God has placed it on your heart to understand why you should be following Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Christ, let me break this down very quickly. In the Old Testament, the way to be forgiven of sin was they had to do an animal sacrifice of a perfect, sinless lamb, bull, or some type of animal. And it always had to be a male with no defects. Nothing was had to be wrong with it. They sacrificed it, and that blood was used and sent up to God, and God forgave them of their sins. The same thing happened with Jesus. The crazy thing is, is Jesus died on Passover, which is the day where people sacrifice animals to God for forgiveness of their sins. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice because he was a God. He was a God and came down in human form for us. And he's giving you a free gift You don't have to pay to get an animal. You don't have to pay to go ask a priest to pray for you, but you have a free gift to access God today. So if you're a Christian or not a Christian, I don't know where anyone stands in here, but if you understand that your sin is wrong, I knew I was sinning. Everyone in here has sinned. So you're not alone in this. But if you understand that you've still been living in unrepentant sin, I want to give you this opportunity right now to repent and ask God to forgive you. And I'm not going to ask you to come down here because I'm sure it's probably everybody in this sanctuary. The whole church will be down here. I want you guys to actively go to God right now. And I'm going to ask Christian to put on some music. And I want to let you know that I can't say a prayer that gets you into heaven. I can't tell you what to say. Because I don't know what sins you've committed. I don't know what you've done in your past. But what I can tell you is that God is ready to forgive if you're ready to ask for forgiveness. He's ready to move into your life. You just have to allow him to. So I want you right now, if you would just close your eyes. And I'm giving you this opportunity to go before God yourself. And ask God for forgiveness of any sin that you have committed. Of anything that you have thought about committing. Because God is ready to listen. So I'm just going to give you a couple moments just to go before God and ask for forgiveness.
have turned away from sin, pray for those who are still struggling with it. And you can get on your knees, you can stand up, whatever you want to do to let God know today that you are sorry, that you're ready to change, that you're ready to seek him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't give us the bare minimum. He gave us the most. He gave us his son. And we give him a minute a day of prayer. We give him a minute a day of Bible time. He gave us everything. Everything. And all he wants is your heart. So if you would just go before God today and just tell him what you've done. Confess your sins to him. He knows what you've done. He's just waiting for you to tell him that you were wrong. He's waiting for you to humble yourself and repent and turn back to him. make you feel like you're alone in your sin, whatever you've done, God will forgive you. He still loves you that much that if you just go before him, he's ready with open arms, just like a a father to a child is. Whenever the child messes up, they still love the child, but they're just waiting for the child to humble themselves and say, Father, I'm sorry, I messed up. He knows that. He's just waiting for you to come back to him. And I just want to say a prayer over everyone in here. That if you're not feeling moved today, that when you get home, that you go before God like you've never gone before God before. And you let God know, God, I messed up. I have done wrong and I'm ready to fully accept you, Jesus, into my life. I've been living with the world. I've been living with my fleshly desires. I'm ready to give it up. And I can tell you the moment that you give it up for God, oh, God will pour so much more. He promised us joy. He promised us peace. He promised us so many things that we can just rest in assurance that we don't have to worry. So I want to say a prayer over everyone who is in this building today. You would just receive it. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for everyone who is in the sound of my voice, everyone who is in this building, God. God, you know that we are all sinners otherwise. You wouldn't have sent your one and only son to die on the cross for us. I thank you, God, for your forgiveness, Father. We don't deserve it. We have done so many wrong things against you, and yet you try time after time to get our attention. And I thank you, God, that you're finally getting some people's attention, letting them know, God, that you are still there That even though they may not be able to hear you, God, that you have been there through every single thing, protecting them, watching over them. And I pray, God, that you'll be on the front of their mind from this day forward. That they will no longer want to follow what their body craves. They will no longer want to follow what the world says is good. But they will follow, God, what you have said is good in your word. Your word, God, is the truth. It is the living word of God. The only thing that claims to be the actual living word of God. And I pray, Father, that your hand will begin to move upon every single person in this building's heart today. That their heart will be transformed, God. They'll no longer want to be with the world and with you, Father, but they'll be fully with you. 
I thank you, God, for this opportunity to even repent, to even say we're sorry that you've given us this much time. 2,000 years, God, you've given us time to come to you and accept the free gift of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to understand and accept it and live it out, God, and follow you with everything that we have. We truly love you, Father, and we thank you for every single thing that you've given us, protected us from, and allowed us, God, to get through, to get to this point today. And I pray that you'll watch over us continuously. And I pray the Holy Spirit will begin to go within each and every person's life and guide them, God, on the path that leads straight to you, Father. And it is in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen. So like I said, if you, if you get home, this is not just a one-time thing. You're only in church for an hour at most. When you get home, live this thing out. If you don't know where to start in your Bible, start in the New Testament. Start with Matthew. Start with John. There's so many gospels in the Bible that will show you why you should live your life for Jesus. It is the truth. It shows you what he did for you. When you understand what he did, oh, you'll want to give him everything. You won't hold nothing back. That sin will look like absolutely nothing to you. You will be like, what is that? I don't want it. I don't want it. Your desires will change. So I commend everyone today to get in your word. Pray. You stop praying, get back to praying. God is still listening. He's still hearing it. Your prayers don't start with amen or in Jesus' name. Your prayers are throughout the day. You need to be continuously in communion with God, talking with God, and he will show you which path to take. Don't give up this opportunity, y'all. You don't know when God will come back and take us or whenever you die. You just don't know when your last day is until it's the last day. Use this opportunity. After you leave this church, turn from that sin. Turn. You have to. If you consider yourself a Christian, it's something that we must do if we love Jesus. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So let's strive to do that. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Well, let's give them another round of applause and get a a phenomenal job dealing with love and dealing with what does it take to be a Christian. Two extremely deep messages, and I really encourage all of you to go back and really listen to those again. They'll be uploaded within a couple of days, and and you'll be able to go and, and just digest that some things takes a little more time to just chew over and those were two very significant and heavy messages absolutely both of them and since today is youth day i'm going to ask minister george if he would come and give us our closing prayer for today amen our glory is unto god and each of these messages I really needed to hear, to be rather honest, about love, because that word always stumps me philosophically. The Greek had four meanings for it, and depending on who you ask, they'll even define those four differently. That word has always 
been a problem for me. But Joseph did an excellent job in explaining how we should love the lion and the lamb and what it means to be a Christian. I was recently pacing back and forth in my room thinking about different efforts I had tried and different approaches I had taken to try and get people to convert to Christianity. And one of them, going back to what Joseph had stated, was that aggressive, you need to change. And that never worked. Not once was that successful, even in getting them to change for a day. It was in, I hear you, but I like what I'm doing. I'm going to just stay over here. And then, of course, the other efforts led to no change. Just, I'm glad that you respect me. So, in the middle, it proved a lot more effective, to be rather honest. May we bow our heads for a word of prayer. Abba, Father, we pray this prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, and I thank you for today. I thank you for all that is. No matter what is happening outside of this church and what spirit it may glorify, here and today, we glorify you. We come here today to learn about you, to strengthen our relationship with you, to serve you better. And I pray today that the messages that have been told will not be forgotten, but they will be listened to. That they will not just be heard, but they will be implemented. That the wisdom that was given today will be received. Father God, I pray that everybody here will leave here today changed. Even if they knew these things when they came, may they still improve upon them. I pray that there will be obedience. I pray that there will be faith. But I pray most importantly that there will be love, whatever that truly means. Father God, we do thank you for this day. And we thank you for the messages that you have given the youth. For the future looks bright and we can see you working through this church. We can see you working through the world. No matter how many shadows are cast by the enemy, the light will still shine through. Father God, we thank you and we love you. We pray this prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, and in the Spirit, in love, and as Christians. Amen. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled, What Does It Mean to Be a Christian? by Jamie Bronner. This message is number 6585. That's 6585. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6585 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.